Hello and welcome to this week's episode of About Abortion. Today I'm delighted to be joined in person by my very special friend, guest all the way from New Jersey, Dean Gavaris. Dean, welcome to Great Britain. Well, thank you. I'm enjoying my stay. How is it, uh, how's it been for you? Your first time out of the United States? First time out of the United States. This is, I think, day six. Uh, I'm loving it, loving the people. They're gentle, kind. They love the Lord, the ones I've met. Great. Well, thanks for being here. It's great to have you. Uh, so fill us in a bit. For those who haven't uh, heard from you before, um, New Jersey, what's it like? I mean, when I think Jersey, I think a bit like what you're wearing here. I know nothing about the place. So what's New Jersey like? Well, you talking to me? I'm talking to you. You're talking to me? Because I think you're talking to me. I'm, I'm talking to you talking okay, to me. Okay, that's, that's New Jersey. That's New Jersey. That's New Jersey in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. And how far are you from New York City itself? Oh, about 10 minutes away. Oh, okay. Just across the water or? Uh, across the water, across yeah. a bridge. Okay. You can walk it. Okay, like. okay, okay. So right next door, fine. Now, um, the work I'm involved with, the work you're involved with, the pro-life world, um, here in Great Britain, people often, the first thing they say to me is, oh, that's an American issue. Or they'll say, oh, what do you think about what's going on in America? It seems, and we'll come on to this in a minute perhaps, what's going on over here in people's minds, in, in the minds of the church here. Um, but certainly people perceive this as a, a hot live issue in the States. Yes, of course. So can you tell us from your perspective, what's going on right now uh, in the States? Uh, what are you excited about? What are you concerned about in terms of the way things are going? Um, are things getting better for the, for the cause for life in America? Where's the church at? Uh, we hear a lot through our media, but what's the, what's, right. what's the on-the-ground perspective from you? From the movement's sake, uh, let's look at nationally. Nationally, mm -hmm. it's a political event, it's a political dialogue, it's a discussion that won't go away mm -hmm. for 50, 60 years. Uh, but it has done uh, good and bad. Uh, it is bad Let's start with the good. Mm -hmm. The good is that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Mm -hmm. Now, the negative part of that, it has increased the desire of those who are pro-abortion. And basically, as a believer, I see that that pro-abortion argument's coming from an opposing spiritual view. Yeah. And that opposing spiritual view is getting louder and louder. For instance, Gateway has uh, recently been sued, one of four mm -hmm. centers in the United States. Uh, one of the reasons is we proclaim the gospel. I truly believe that. It's on our website, etc. And the gospel is a problem to the enemy of life. Uh, so the, the good is that we're making inroads. On the negative side, it's become so politicized that the gospel has been squeezed out. Right. If I may, I'd like to give you a 40-second update of what the, the history a pro-life movement began when Billy Graham and some others got together in 1975 to create places to help women with an abortion, to lead them to Christ. It was a mission. It was always a Bible mission. Mm -hmm. And one of the extra events or extra added features would be if, if society changed and perhaps the laws. In the 70s and 80s in America, we became so focused on forcing change in our society. And by doing that, we not only said that abortion is wrong, but we uh, said that we need to help the woman make the right decision about abortion, but not necessarily about Christ. Then we said the woman needs a, 
additional things to help her in this. Sonograms and, and child care and earn to learn and all sorts of things, counseling the boyfriend, all of which Gateway has done for 40 years or almost 40 years. But the gospel started to get squeezed out little mm. by little by little. Mm. In 1999, a paper was written that abortion really is a societal issue. And really, if we share the gospel clearly, we're going to turn the woman off and therefore we need to save the baby. Let's the redirect. So many pregnancy centers redirected where they knowingly and clearly do not and did not share the gospel. 90% of all centers in the United States do not share the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, are they uh, secular? No, they're Christians. They're mm -hmm. just like you and I. They go to work each day. They go to church. They mm -hmm. pray. Uh, but they turn that off when they go to the pregnancy right. center for the purpose of trying to relate to the woman. I think mm -hmm. that that is, quite honestly, if I could say it this way, it's from the pit of hell because it really plays into Satan's desire of one of two things. One is that people not hear about Christ, not be converted, not change their life, mm -hmm. not to get to heaven. And then it attacks the baby directly. It's an assault on God, of course. And uh, Piper and others have said that it is insult on God. But secondly, it attacks the baby because most women we found, we've seen 39,000 of them, most women who are given the gospel will make the decision for life. Mm. Uh, and, and it's hard to believe for some, uh, and therefore they demur on the gospel aspect. But the gospel is what drove the pro-life movement. It has now become a political movement and the church has been cooperating with that. Right. So that's interesting. So you, in the States, you've got people who've turned off the gospel right. element because they fear that will put people off the pro-life element. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. It would, uh, it, the baby would be lost. The woman right. would not make lifelong decisions, which is the complete opposite right. of what reality huh. shows. So that fear is a false fear. Absolutely false. And you say, how is it false? Is it just because you're a Christian? No, if, if people like statistics and documentation, we've seen 6,500 babies mm -hmm. born. Wow. So that does not yeah. blend in with that theory right. of, of blinding or actually it's called muzzling the gospel. Mm -hmm. And we've seen at the same time, 5,900 come to Christ. Right. You could do both. Right. The problem is we've made the vehicle the message. The uh -huh. message should be Christ. Mm -hmm. The vehicle is pro-life or helping the woman make right decisions. The message is always stronger than the vehicle. You can't switch them. In America, we did that. Right. I'd like to ask you, uh, how is it in Britain? Hmm. Well, it's interesting because I think whereas in the States, you've got a problem of people dialing down the gospel, mm -hmm because of this false idea, this fear, oh, well, that will turn people off even being pro-life, so we'll lose the baby and everything. Whereas, of course, you're saying, well, the truth is, of course, sharing the gospel is also the best thing for the baby. I think here we, we certainly do have that problem mm -hmm. in the pregnancy centers. We've got uh, people dialing down the gospel. We've even got people dialing down the pro-life. Right. Uh, and then it's like, well, what are we even trying to do at all? Right. What know? are you but, there for? But I think... In the wider church, and I think it'd be good to talk about the wider church before we get specifically onto pregnancy centers here, but I think in the wider church, we have the 
uh, almost the sort of the opposite or the complementary problem, which is uh, people are dialing down being pro-life for fear it's going to put people off the gospel. So in the church in general, I mean, I want to hear what you make of this. On you know, you've been here for a few days now. I've been to a conference, met some people, but whereas in the states, I think most Christians are very clearly pro-life, but maybe they dial down the gospel in the so-called secular space. Mm-hmm. Here, we're dialing down the pro-life for fear that it's going to put people off the gospel. So, can, can you talk to us a little bit about the relationship between? these two issues. We've got what you might call an ethical issue. Some see it as a political issue. Uh, But you're saying it's a spiritual issue. Right. See, that's the problem. You just nailed the problem, Dave, that it is a biblical issue. Mm. It's not, yes, it is a cultural issue, a phenomenon, a social issue. And in America, most uh, would agree that it's become a volatile political issue Mm. to the degree that now pro-life has become God for Mm. some people. Mm. And that has overtaken a debate about how to even reach the woman. The sad part is all these women we're seeing are being neglected or kicked to the curb because we have either politics in America Mm. that has dialed up the issue to make it politically expedient for a candidate or a party and a clear separation, a clear... uh, division among our people. Mm. We're in Britain, what I've seen in the last few days, I came here with the idea that I needed to be a little quieter, a little more respectful, a little more genteel. Um, I've come on day six to realize that you can do that from a cultural point of view or a, a relational point of view, but not a gospel point of view. Unless you believe, and I don't, that the gospel is offensive other than the content that you believe that by speaking the gospel you will offend, then you're a coward. Hmm. That's all you are. Now, if it's the way you speak, I agree with you. And the issue is, do Brits have a better handle in sharing the gospel than the American Christians? And I believe the answer is no. Hmm, I agree. I believe culturally, yes, the Brits can teach me a great deal about politeness, But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit working through a person to share God's message, not Mm. my message, Mm. and if I have uh, the life of Christ in me, Mm. and I began, God began that good work and is working it through me, and I'm doing that work, Mm. whether I'm a pastor, whether I'm a plumber, Mm. uh, we are to be all sharing our faith, then there's no difference in the culture and the cultural norm Uh, and the way people handle themselves, and the message. In some ways, I believe it's a cop-out, and I I hate Mm -hmm. to say it on this broadcast, but I think it's a cop-out for anyone to say, culturally, I can't do that because... Now, you mentioned Mm -hmm. the gospel being hindered by the pro-life message. I think people need to hear that they're not even complimentary. The gospel is always first, but the gospel being Christ died for our sins, he was buried, rose the third day, ascended into heaven, and is coming back. What basically, if you ask, is that relevance to pro-life? Well, we're talking about a human life made in God's image, and we're talking about a person who is a worthy person. Mm -hmm. So if we believe that scripturally, and if the Church of England, uh, 
United States, Scotland, wherever you may be, believes that, then you're going to be able to treat the woman with dignity mm -hmm. and respect as a person made in God's image, and you're going to be able to see the child mm -hmm. made in God's image and abortion being an abomination to God. Mm -hmm. So all those people who say it's going to dial down the gospel are missing an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I was recently in an evangelist conference, and you mentioned something that startled me even after 40 years in this work. You asked how many people heard a message in this country in the last five years on pro-life. And I'm speaking that message, mm -hmm. I think, two days from now in this church. How many people heard that message? One out of 100 answered. And uh, I asked Jay John's son, how can this be? And he informed me that, to his understanding, uh, abortion in this country is not an issue people talk about. It's a settled, almost a settled issue nationally. But the question is, is it a settled mm. issue scripturally and in the heart of believers mm. who go to church week after week, who rub shoulders with women who've had abortions mm. and who know the evil of it, of mm. this? And can it be a cop-out? Mm. Can we say to Jesus, I was British, <laughs> I was Greek, because I was Greek and loud, mm. I shared, because you're polite in English, you get a pass. Yeah. You don't need to share. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. And the way we share in America, yes, we may be boorish, etc., but a Christian shares Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's equal all over the world. Mm -hmm. We'll edit that out. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> that's a phone ringing. It could even be a client, and it'll go to voicemail and okay. be directed. But in America, we'll see on a day like today, Dozens of people who call for our test. And that, that's a good point, that ring, because it shows that if a pregnancy center existed that would share Christ in England and would be directive, not non-directive, we could talk about that, then people would call, people would respond. Well, we're having these dialogues, political on the other side mm. and religious on this side. Women are hurting, mm. and they're going into a Christless eternity. Mm. Mm. It's interesting what you're saying about how, really, if we believe this is a gospel issue, if we believe that God made all people in his image, not just Americans, not just English, Scots, whatever, if we believe that sin is sin and the, and mm -hmm. the Bible is the Bible, then really there's, there's no room. Okay, there's, there may be room for minor adaptations, phraseology, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. but uh, this is a spiritual issue across the Atlantic. And I think all too often British evangelicals... Um, say that this is well it's a political issue it's an american issue uh we just don't go there i don't think we have that option i think we're going to be held accountable for that that we are required to respond right and the, those in the pew might be able to say that because they haven't heard the message but what will the pastor say mm -hmm. you're a pastor i'm a pastor what will the pastor in britain say when he says it's not an issue in our country mm -hmm. but he as he goes through his scripture and as he preaches mm -hmm. a passage and he knows from the work of the Holy Spirit and from his study that this really does have to do with a life issue. Mm -hmm. And it does have to do with a, a truly illustrative life issue and a need for the gospel to be preached to a mm -hmm. community. I'm not going to do that mm -hmm. because either the government or in America, because I'll lose people because some are Democrats mm -hmm. and Republicans. Mm -hmm. 
again with the word cowardice. Mm. Uh, again, I don't mean to to paint with a wide brush, but I cannot. I can understand the the private person not understanding because they haven't been told. But how can a person mm. who knows Christ and is in the pulpit not speak about something that God spoke about? I'm not saying make yeah. it a daily. But never speak about it when 40% of the people in mm. their congregation mm. either know someone mm. or have had an abortion mm. themselves. Mm. Mm. That to me, they'll be held accountable. Mm. Mm. I was speaking with a senior pastor recently. He's a pastor of pastors, actually. He helps, to, he helps younger pastors in their ministry and so on. And I, I was talking to him about an encouragement to that network to teach on abortion, mm -hmm. a resource to help these guys teach on abortion. And it was interesting, it was a small thing, but I think it was telling. He said something on the lines of, if these men find the courage to teach on this, dot, dot, dot. And he went on to say, and I'm thinking, when did courage become an optional extra? You know, it's as if, it's as if, hey, you know, if you like, if you like yellow or if you like red, then maybe, maybe you'll, you'll buy clothes that color. But if that's not for you, that's fine. And it's almost as though, well, we know what the scripture says. We know it's an issue. But whether or not to speak on it, well, that's kind of up to us. Joshua 1.9, to be bold. And the pastor can quote that, but how can you? You're correct. How can he say he's preaching the whole doctrine of God and intentionally leave out mm. something? It's one thing not to know, mm. uh, but we know. Proverbs mm. 24, 11 and 12, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't say you don't know. Yeah. And if you do know, and a pastor knows, mm. then how can you say that you will not be held accountable mm. Mm. for that? So that's the negative. What's the positive? The positive is to go to the Hope Center. The positive is to go to the church mm. and to ask them and plead with them on the basis of their calling to preach the word, the whole word, mm. which includes the life issue that may have an effect politically. Mm -hmm. For me, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Or socially, for me, it doesn't. It's about people mm -hmm. and people needing the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's a whole people group that are being affected. Mm -hmm. And America is no better. 10% of pregnancy centers, we have 4,000 of them, do not preach the gospel. And I've had people come to Gateway at our center in New Jersey saying they were told not to preach the mm. gospel. Mm. That doesn't come from God, that message. Mm. But God's man in the pulpit should be the first person to lead the people and lead those sinners. Mm. I would ask all of the, the, the pastors in Britain who know there's 150 pregnancy centers, why they don't support them. Could it be because they don't preach the gospel? Mm. And if they did, they would support them? Mm. Mm. Perhaps they would. Mm. So we haven't asked the right questions hmm. uh, sometimes of our pastors. I've thought of that in the last two weeks. In America, we have pastors who accept pregnancy centers that don't preach the gospel, and that's not their weekly message. Why do you do that? Why are you doing that? Why is that any less? Why is it a, not a vehicle? Why do you have missions and evangelistic outreach, and you don't see the groups of people well, they haven't come to the church. Oh, yes, they have. You say, well, we reach the homeless. Well, where do they live? They live out there or they live in the street. But you have reached your congregation, the visitors, they've come. And they've come with pregnancy issues and issues about uh, sex and gender. And we need to address those issues from the Bible, mm -hmm. not from society. Mm -hmm. 
and we'd see people called into the kingdom of God when we decided to go with that gospel. Mm -hmm. Do you think Paul would ask permission mm -hmm. to share the gospel? Mm -hmm. Do you think he'd push people away mm -hmm. from sharing the gospel because it would hurt his work <laughs> as an evangelist? What are you evangelizing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're helping us to see this, perhaps in a, for some listeners, in a, a really fresh way. This is a mission field. This is not... It's, it, in America, this is, I think, the greatest mission field that has existed right. in the last 50 years. Wow. And we haven't had a revival since 1972, yeah. the Jesus movement. Yeah. Guess what? That's 52 years. Yeah. Abortion became legal in 1973. Could mm. those be linked together? Yeah. Yeah. Revival is not going to come until we're repentant. Yeah. And unless we repent mm. of the blood that's in our mm. bricks, mm -hmm. in mm. our bricks... And maybe we could say in our pulpits mm -hmm. uh, or a lack of speaking. Yep. Uh, but in the last few weeks, I've, I've been able to separate the respect that I should have for Brits and the genteelness, etc., and the fact that we're all called to preach the gospel, no matter how we relate mm -hmm. in our ethnicity. I happen mm -hmm. to be Greek and loud mm -hmm. uh, or in our uh, ability uh, or in our location. Oh, America, they're all boorish and loud. Uh, not an excuse. Mm, mm. Not an excuse mm. uh, for that. The place that brought us Wilberforce and, and, and uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones and all those godly men is a place that needs the gospel and needs the yeah. vehicle of yeah. pro-life. So this is interesting because I think often we hear from pastors who will say quietly, privately, oh, of course, I agree with you. I would be in agreement with you. Yeah, I'm pro-life. But, you know, my job is to preach the gospel. and We don't want to get caught up in, in politics or social issues or social action. There's a great fear of this idea of being drawn away from the gospel. But I think what I'm realizing speaking with you even just now is that in a, it's almost become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because if we've decided this is not a gospel issue, then we'll dismiss it as not a gospel issue. But actually, if we perceive that it is a gospel issue or it's an opportunity for the gospel, we'll see this, as you say, as maybe the greatest mission opportunity in our land. We talk a lot about culturally relevant evangelism. How can we be applied? How can we relate to people? How can we make sure that we're presenting the gospel in a way that um, is connected to their daily life, what they care about, issues? And so you get things like uh, something called CAP in this country, Christians Against Poverty, mm -hmm. helping people with their debt, but preaching Christ. They see a lot of conversions. Praise God. It's a wonderful work. Uh, food bank often will in, entail the preaching of the gospel. I think maybe it's a bit hit and miss whether that mm -hmm. is going on or not. So there are these various issues where people are seeing them as gospel opportunities. And yet for some reason, when it comes to abortion, the assumption is, well, we can't, we can't mix the two. I, I was troubled at this conference because I met gospel plumbers, gospel magicians, people who go into brothels, people who go to strip clubs and share the gospel in England the genteel England that I heard about, able and desirous to do that, but they haven't gone. Why haven't they gone, the evangelists? Because I believe as a whole, they're not being ministered to. And that speaks of that Pontius Pilate effect. In other words, the cowardice, if I may say it in a correct way, of the pastor. Pilate saw Jesus and he recognized him as different, and yet he washed his hands. And we're seeing something that is as equally powerful, and you cannot turn that off. If you are preaching the whole word 
of God, mm -hmm. then the Spirit of God is going to speak to you and tell you you could do something. Mm -hmm. And if you say you can't, back to Joshua 1.9, why can't you? Mm -hmm. So you have the Hope Center saying throughout all of England, we're going to see a revival. How can that be done? One by one, people who are listening, people who are in the pews, who are not excusing it as an American issue. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't excuse it. Or not excusing it because in England, you don't have the polarization we have. Mm. Everyone agrees. Well, your politics doesn't dictate where you're going to mm. go after you die. Mm. The scripture will dictate mm -hmm. in terms of what you should preach. And what are you preaching? Anti-America, local politics that are not divisive, so we won't make them divisive, or are you preaching the Word of God? Mm. And the pastor has to decide what his mm. calling is. Yeah. It's interesting because I think in many ways, our task here in Great Britain is actually a lot easier. I think we have, in a sense, a blank slate to work with. Correct. In my country, if you preach a pro-life message from the pulpit, no one's going to say, oh, you're a Republican or you're a Democrat or Correct. you're a Tory or you're Labour, because here none of the parties actually uh, are pro-life, none of the major parties. Now, of course, on the one hand, that should grieve us deeply that there isn't a single party, major party in our country, that is opposed to the baby genocide and actually is standing up for one of the most basic protections, which under God, according to Romans 13, that's their job. They should be punishing evil and commending what's good. And so... That on the one hand should grieve us, but on the other hand, I think uh, we should admit that actually our task is a lot more straightforward than than that of the pastor in in America, because no one's going to think I'm I'm campaigning for a particular pol party and therefore being caught up in all their other policies, because there is no pro life party here. What excites me greatly about Britain is the clean slate, is the fact that your long history of preaching the gospel. And the fact, almost honoring Britain for that, the fact that you can have revival, mm. actual revival, not political or social change as we have in the country. Mm. We need revival in America. Mm. But you, the center of where all of our people, respecting all of the British uh, pastors of, of the 19th and 20th century, can actually have a revival that's based on the fact that we've woken up to this and we've moved to to actually preach the gospel mm. to a new generation mm. that is growing up. And we have that. Or will we not have that generation? Mm. Will we speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves? Mm. Wilberforce did that. He started at zero mm. and it changed the whole country. It's almost exciting to me that an entire nation can be swept with not only a social change, which is needed, of course, but a spiritual change. Mm -hmm. Because the answer is Christ. Mm -hmm. The answer is not for a person to be reformed. They need to be transformed. Mm -hmm. You folks have that respect. I believe we do as well. But we've been clouded out and scrunched by our politics mm -hmm. and our divisiveness. Mm -hmm. You do have a blank slate. Mm, mm. Where you go from 2024 is really going to be up to who's in that pulpit and what mm. he has a desire to do. Mm. And like America, you have even a longer list mm. of faithful gospel preaching. And you believe that the gospel changes lives. Your only question is, are you wondering, is this 
a vehicle towards it, I'll say, yes, mm -hmm. it's a vehicle. No matter if Parliament is speaking mm -hmm. about or mm -hmm. King or anyone else, this is something the Scripture mm -hmm. speaks, and you know that. Yeah. And if you know it, then say it. Absolutely. You know, we haven't had revival here um, since before 1967 when our Abortion Act was passed. And, and we've talked about this on other episodes. Interesting, isn't it? But it is interesting because child sacrifice is a spiritually significant phenomenon. And it's in the church, of course. And that's, that's something that's happening for the lack of the teaching. I mean, I agree with you. The pulpits are the key to the nation, really. Correct. If, if, the, if the preaching of the word is faithful and comprehensive, it changes the church. and The church changes society. Um, but we're compromised. We, we've turned a blind eye. As you said, Proverbs 24, 11 and 12. We've looked the other way. Um, and blood is on our hands. And that and the shedding of innocent blood brings a curse on the land. It, I think it's a revival inhibitor. And you, I believe you said it, and it's probably been said in America, the blessing. I love it. But when you sing it, do we know what we're singing? Mm. We're asking God to bless. In America, to bless a nation that has codified homosexuality, codified uh, abortion. In our state, New Jersey, it was one of those states under Roe versus Wade where abortion was legal. The minute that was turned in the Dobbs decision, we kicked it up a notch, and that's why now the pregnancy center is being attacked. This, it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. We're figuring it's going to go away. Move on mm -hmm. to economy, mm -hmm. ecology, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Hamas, uh, mm -hmm. Brexit, whatever it is. The issue is the soul. The issue is the heart. It goes to the heart of who we are and who we are going to be. We have that, that opportunity to change mm. the narrative mm -hmm. if we're willing to do it. God desires it. It's not God's desire. He's not willing that any should perish. We know that. Will we go out and preach it? Mm. Will we allow people who have experienced a crisis pregnancy and are into our churches? Will we go to where they are? Mm. Or will we just have dialogue? Yeah. Dialogue is fine, but there comes a time for action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the men of Issachar were men who knew the times. Mm -hmm. Do you know the times? Mm -hmm. uh, I know you do, <laughs> but do they know the times? Mm -hmm. The men of action who knew the times and knew what to do we'll for the that. people. Mm -hmm. And whether there's one or nine uh, or 10 or a thousand people doing it, it starts with one. Back to your Wilberforce. Mm, mm. So what we need here in the UK is for a total change of perspective, a change of heart, a change of mind, that we see this as possibly the greatest mission field, possibly the greatest gospel opportunity before yes. us, and certainly one we can't afford to ignore. Well, I'm not saying everyone's called to full-time pro-life work, but if the church in the UK is remembered in 50 years' time for having ignored the baby genocide, having excused themselves from the fight, then really I think that would be a great shame on the name of Christ. Uh, I think it will perpetuate the bloodshed. And ultimately, I think it will lead to the ever-diminishing spiritual health and relevance of the church. Because, hey, if we've got nothing to say to this... We have nothing to say. 19 of 20 societies that failed, failed because of their view of sex mm. uh, and marriage and child killing. Mm. 19 mm. of 20. So we're mm. the five percenters, mm. America or Britain. Mm. How we play that out in the next year or 10 years. I hear you have pills by post. Mm. In America, we do. Mm. Uh, and therefore, women, and we see those women mm. 
who are now not going to the abortion mm. facility, but they're having the abortion here. So it's not going to change by surrounding the abortion clinic. It's not. It's going to begin dialogue, but it won't change people attempting to get an abortion. What's going to change is the heart of the people in the pew who are able, the same way they reach out with the gospel, one by one by one. Mm. That's how we began with 12, mm. and now we have the larger church, you might say. Uh, that's the only way we're going to see something change. Mm. Not a societal problem, not a political issue. You can't force it into politics. You can go back to what Billy Graham and what J. John and others are, have seen clearly, and I appreciate what J. John has written, that abortion is, is a, an abomination. It's an evil, and we need to stand up for those who cannot stand for mm. themselves. Mm. Well, thank you, Dean. It's really good to have this issue reframed for us, mm -hmm. fundamentally a spiritual issue, a gospel issue, and of course that's going to have ramifications on what we do, how we vote, and so on, but fundamentally this is what it is, and this is what people need to see. Now, um, just finally, I wondered if you could just tee up for us, you're here in the, in the UK for another two weeks um, or so, this uh, episode should be going out on Thursday, um, Thursday the 18th. Now on the 20th, January 20th, Saturday right. in London, uh, you're going to be um, speaking at an event uh, and uh, it's an opportunity especially for evangelists yes. and those with a heart for gospel work to come together and to hear, look, this is not an issue to be avoided, this is not a distraction, this isn't politics as opposed to gospel work, this is an amazing opportunity and a need, a crucial critical need um, where the people of God uh, have to confront the issue in the light of the gospel and see this as an opportunity to share Christ. Now, um, can you give us just a give us a couple of um, ideas of what you're going to be speaking to specifically, um, and 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 what it is? What's your heart, particularly for pregnancy support work here in the UK? What would you like to see happen in the UK over the next few years, and what are you going to be sharing? One of the things, and, and it seems like a side issue, is the word non-directive. Mm. That to me has become key. I cannot see how anyone would not share the gospel, but I also can't see how you could be a person who is talking about the issue, but not wanting to be directive mm. by being polite. Do we do that when a person now, how you do it is important, mm. but do we do that with a person with any other situation mm. where we share the gospel, mm. but we're actually mixing the two? And again, mm. who's behind the non-directive? I, I need to say that I believe it is a, a satanic approach mm. because if you can muzzle the word of God in any form or even to relegate it to a psychological mm. technique, mm. So I'll be speaking about why non-directive mm. is not the way to go, obviously. And all the pregnancy centers in the UK are non-directive. It's no wonder if they're non-directive why they don't preach the gospel. Mm. It's no wonder why the people don't know about them mm. because the church won't talk about them because the pastor who wants them to be gospel-focused and missional-focused won't support them I see the picture. Mm. So where does it start? Mm. It starts with the people. It starts with the pastor. Mm. And it goes into this false view 
that you can be non-directive. It's a Pontius Pilate mm. approach. Mm. It didn't work that time. Mm. And it wasn't a lack of knowledge. You can't tell me that it was a lack of mm. knowledge. It was a lack of guts, mm. as we would say in the United States. Mm. Joshua 1.9, to be mm. bold. Mm. And that's what we need. Uh, my pastor challenged me, and I challenged the, the audience and those who are pro-life. Five, five people who would be Joshua's. Five people who would be willing to say, I'm going to support Dave and I'm going to support the Hope Pregnancy Center and I'm going to come alongside them. What can I do to change this, to change my country who I love and especially beyond my country who I love to show my love for Jesus who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So I congratulate you on the new king, but don't forget you and I, whether we have a king or a president, we're, we have a kingdom and we have a king of kings and the Lord of lords who's going to one day ask, what were you doing? Mm. And hiding behind divisiveness in America, politics, uh, non-directness, uh, genteelness of society. I don't buy it. I do not believe God will. Mm. You knew. And we will answer for that. And on the flip side, all that you do and those who do to stand up for life, God will reward us. And isn't that great? What will we do with those rewards? You know as a preacher, mm -hmm. we'll take off that, mm -hmm. that crown and lay it at Jesus' feet. So this has everything to do with the worship of Christ mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. as going forward with the gospel. Everything to do with how much do you really love me? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, the Samaritans were the hated ones, but who were the ones that just walked past that man? Mm -hmm. Or that woman, could have been a woman, mm -hmm. or a John 8 situation. Mm -hmm. We're doing John 8, except we've just changed and, and updated it. We're looking and casting stones at the person, but forgetting that the love of God is, uh, is able to forgive them, and what? help you to go and not continue in that. Mm -hmm. Only the gospel message can do that. Mm -hmm. The psychological change can't, mm -hmm. and most certainly non-directive. I've noticed you can't ask a person, what do you think you should do? Because her boyfriend, her mother, father, doctor, whoever is telling her what to do. You need to gently share with her what God would want her to do and then help her to do it. Mm -hmm. Do we have that kind of fervor mm -hmm. to help her to do it as much as we have to proclaim a non-directive, which is non-biblical, approach? Where did that come from? And why is it so popular? Why can't the gospel be popular to those who need it? The women and the men, and we see hundreds of men as well. Again, 5,800 coming to Christ, 6,900 carrying their child to Christ. Mm. Two things when you put the message ahead of the vehicle. Mm. Mm. Keeping it missional. Thank you, Dean. Well, yeah, we just want to say to those listening in, um, the event on the 20th, not too late to sign up. Uh, Dean's going to be speaking to that issue, as, as, as he alluded to. Um, almost every, just to qualify that, I'd say almost every centre in this country is non-directive. 
uh, and and muzzles the gospel. We know of a few examples of of, of some that are directive, but um, we believe there's a need for a fresh approach yes. here in the UK. And so please do come and listen to that. Uh, we're also going to be doing some training in how to have gospel-centered conversations, and then we're going to go out on the streets together Absolutely. and do a display. So do come along, and if you can't make the 20th, but you still want to get Dean, uh, then you can look up um, other dates where we are going to be around uh, different parts of the UK over the next couple of weeks. Well, Dean, thank you so much for sharing thank with you. us. Um, God bless you and thank your you work too. back home uh, and your church, your your co-workers. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. I am looking, I'm excited about it. This is a country that uh, is near and dear to Americans' hearts uh, because of the gospel. Mm. So let's saddle up and see the gospel go. Amen. Dee, would you pray for us before we close? I will. Father, I thank you for the privilege that I have to come to this wonderful country. Thank you for the gentleness that I've received and the politeness and the welcoming approach. And I know that uh, godly people want to do the right thing, but often there are so many voices out there. May they hear the voice of God and may they go as a, a new generation into this world seeking to uh, Bring the message that changes lives. Christ sought those. He went to people. He went with the gospel in places that many times we won't go. Will we go to this new mission field? Will we be able to say uh, Christ is our Lord and we want him to be the Lord of those who we speak to as well? And on that day when we get that crown, that that crown would include the desire that we had now to reach out to the unborn, to the moms and the dads. May this be so, and may you bless the work of the Hope Center. In Christ's name, amen. Mm, amen.